Hello and welcome to episode 12 of the Value of Talent podcast. Special episode today, we're doing an MLS Wonder Kids special, seeing as though the MLS is restarting this weekend. Absolutely buzzing for it. We've brought in a special guest in the form of Nashi. Nashi, welcome to the Value of Talent podcast. You are the first guest that me and Feda have ever had on. How does it feel? It's a, yeah, it's an absolute honour. A pleasure to be here. Uh, excited to get. I'm so buzzing for the MLS to be back, and I'm uh, yeah, excited to get through it with you guys. Feder, I will come over to you because this is the second time we've recorded this episode. By the way, lads, listen at home. Um, the last time I recorded, for some reason, it didn't record uh, Nashi's audio. So we're doing it again. Feder has now been to a Champions League tie this midweek. Feder, if you'd like to just give us a little overview of of your time at the San Siro. Before we get into things, how was it? Obviously, I will do that. Hello, uh, first of all, hello and uh, welcome back to our show. I have to disappoint you, Nashi. You're not the first guest, you're the second guest. Harry just forgot Quinny, but it's fine. Oh, yeah, we've had <laughs> Quinny on, haven't we? <gasps> Quinny, I've done you dirty, mate. I've, I've killed you. I've killed you, mate. Uh, oh, my God. And, uh, yeah, but bro, um, I sincerely really suggest everybody to go to a San Siro. Don't worry about Inter or Milan. Just let it be a more important game to go and watch it at San Siro because the atmosphere is incredible. Because it, it, it's it's huge because it's a it's a stadium like a, it's one of the bigger ones in, in Europe. So it holds 84,000 people. Jesus. And if it is and if it's and it was full, when it is full it's blisteringly loud. It's like really loud like it got I got afraid at some moments and when, people are, and when people are jumping because of the goal like since the the stadium is very high as it's very tall how how you can yeah yeah it's very tall yeah like it's very tall so it's uh, it's it's super super nice like there's like these uh, these stairways that are made like a conch shell that you have to walk up basically and to to go to the top you basically walk like six seven minutes which is amazing <laughs> because we and uh, the cool thing about the stadium, which I was really amazed at, is that basically from every angle you had a pretty okay-ish view. You didn't have to have the best seats in the house, mm-hmm. but you could see from every angle pretty okay the, the, the game, which is also a side effect of being so tall. But um, it was frightening. And um, yeah, when uh, when Lukaku... Uh, when Lukaku um, scored the goal like the whole uh, stadium was shaking because people were all jumping it was amazing bro like it was amazing like i was a little afraid <laughs> but it was so fucking crazy and i will send you the videos later and um yeah especially being a champions league game um at the end of the champions league him everybody was going crazy for the champions mm-hmm. and that like it was so loud and uh, yeah just really really enjoyed my experience there I would really suggest everybody to go to San Siro for an important game. And uh, I, I can't even imagine how it is at the derby in Milano. Then it, it's going to be crazy because then it's 40,000 people of one side and 40,000 people of the other side screaming against each other. It's just just amazing. So maybe we need to do that, Harry, bro. And um, yeah, I was the, the game itself was not that great. Diego Costa had a really, really, really good save. Like, I don't know if you watched the game. But I haven't seen the highlights. Save. I've heard big things, though. 
I saw the uh, I, saw, I saw the goal there, Fedo, and like I, the, the way it was, he, he, Lukaku get, hits it off the post and it comes back to him and he scores. And like when you're at a live stadium, that's always such a fun little mini roller coaster because you get the first, the crowd goes erupts for the first one. They think it's going in, then there's like that ah, oh, and then straight away he buries the rebound. And then it goes, then it seems like they go even crazier. So it must have been insane when that goal in just the way it played out. I have to agree with you, Nashi. That was insane. But now that I remember the craziest moment when the crowd was going like fanatic, that was like amazing how cool that was, is when Otavio got the red card. <laughs> Everybody got out the, the, the phone, with the, the put the light on and, and waved goodbye. <laughs> 80,000 people. It was amazing. Like seriously. And everybody was. And then they, there was like, there came some DJ music to the to the team basically, and everybody was dancing to the thing that he just got just expelled basically. That was really really great, and uh, yeah, that with Lukaku is like oh, and then boom, yeah, that was really great. Um, I was very happy that he scored that because actually Porto had the better saves. Onana had that amazing game, like what he held on the line that was crazy. Uh, he he had like you have to watch the highlights. It was really good. Uh, he had like uh, three chances that had to be goals that were all saved by him on the goal, basically yeah, yeah. on the goal line. And then um, Diogo Costa before halftime had a really important save on Bastoni's header. That was crazy. That was pure reflex, pure talent. And yeah, it was great. And yeah. uh, hope that we can do it together one day. And uh, we all enjoyed this atmosphere because I, I got... Uh, I got excited and I want more from that because really I've, I've been to many footballs, to many leagues as well. And that was a very special atmosphere. Even if I'm not an Inter fan, I'm Milan fan, diehard Final fan, but that was special. And even I was kind of gotten by the atmosphere and cheered a little bit for Inter. So that was Oh, you're a traitor. You're a traitor. Shame on you. Um, yeah, shame on you. I'm telling Tenali on you. And Liao. But I didn't jump. I didn't jump. Obviously, I didn't jump. There was like a choreo, like a, like a song. Okay, the, yeah, yeah. Like, if you're a rossonero, which means a milanista, and basically, if you don't jump, you are a rossonero. I see. I was basically the only one not jumping. <laughs> <laughs> out of 84,000 <laughs> in the stadium. Um, now that sounds amazing. Exactly. Man. I'm, I'm glad you. I'm glad you got to experience that. Um, and yeah, one day maybe we could go to a, a Milan derby. That would. Well, that does sound incredible. Obviously, we are here for um, the MLS Wonder Kids episode, which we will, of course, get into. But first of all, um, myself and Nashi, we've known each other for a long time now. And a couple of weeks ago, we came up with an idea. Um, this basically turned into a little Sora project. Well, little little for now, but hopefully, you know, over time, we see a lot of growth. Um, Nashi, would you like to sort of tell the people at home, if there's anyone listening, um, what our little um, our little venture is all about? Yeah, uh, basically, it, it was born out of, obviously, the Premier League comes on so rare. We're excited. Everyone's excited to play these new cars. These are people we know and love, you know, the Premier League, the biggest league in the world. And it kind of started to feel a bit anticlimactic in a certain couple of ways. I think there's a couple of things that just for the mechanisms of so rare and like how we like to play it, that that kind of led to like, it's hard to engage in it from all different levels. What, what we're talking about is like, 
you can get involved in the Premier League draft, which is great. You know, you can pick any guys out. You don't have to buy anyone. You can try it out. You only play against Premier League cards, which we'll get into in a minute, which is a, which makes it viable. But you're you're in there with 200,000 people in the first week, probably more next week, more after that. And they're paying out a top prize of one star limited card, which goes for about 300 bucks. So, you know, it's hard to feel motivated to spend a lot of time really thinking through your lineup, really engaging in the so rare way that we like to in that mode, because it feels with 200,000 people and one significant prize, it feels a bit more luck than judgment, you know? So I don't know, I felt like a lot of people are just clicking five guys they like and hoping they have a miracle and they win a nice limited card. It's not really, I don't think the, you know, selling the product of so where getting fans engaged and involved on the flip side, the cards come out, there's a lot on the market and they're people we know and they're going for prices that almost, there's a few cards obviously in the Premier League are very good for SO5 no matter what. But a lot of these cards, if you're an experienced manager in the rare and super rare division, they, they don't they didn't really they don't really apply in the game. So there's a lot of cards I want to buy because I love, you know, I love West Ham. A lot of West Ham cards I want to buy. There's a lot of cards in the Premier League players I like, but the part of me that's the so rare player at a higher level can't justify it, right? So I'm not really engaged in this Premier League long chiever. So almost you've got two sides of the spectrum that we thought isn't quite happening. So we're just kind of basically trying to solve that problem, aren't we? Where we figured, well, if we could cut down a chunk of that 200,000, and realistically, the people can come up with new ideas. But our idea is to create effectively a small paywall that's going to filter out a good amount of people, right? And then... Hey, we need that to scale. We could do it in a Discord, in a whatever, but we figured a Patreon would be a good way to scale that because, you know, it's safe. It, the money's safe. Their credit card's safe. They know they're going to get it. And, yeah, and it kind of built out of that idea. And then we're thinking, well, all right, we've got these people. They want to come in. They want to cut down. They want to play for some real cash prizes, potentially. Because, you know, you can win ETH, but if you say to your mate, oh, come play this Fantasy Premier League on so rare, then they've got a they might play for free and win a card. But when they then you say, yeah, but you can sell that card. And they say, oh, cool. And then they sell it. And they've got Ethereum in a wallet. They don't know what that's about. That was a problem. So we're like, well, let's try and give out cash prizes. Maybe that'll be an easier thing for people to tell their mates, get involved, get the banner. We want to build a community at the end of the day. We've got some banner. We want to have, like, support the people. We want to give people sort of credit when they're in there. So they're kind of the basis of the ideas that we're working off. And obviously, you said it's a work in progress. We want feedback we want it to be a thing where people we know and like in a community are involved and can kind of you know we can kind of play off each other and um you know, eventually with obviously with your expertise when you're on board we do have visions to build out an actual really good content pa patreon unique content premier league content draft league content but we're always in the early stages here and we thought it's best just to get it out there get feedback from the community sure Fedo's got, got his uh, opinions on this kind of thing on the draft leagues and stuff but you know there's a lot of smart people out here and we're just kind of rolling with an idea to solve some problems that we think are there and yeah it's kind of exciting it's kind of there'll probably be some criticism there'll probably be some thing but we're kind of doing it out of best intention and just gonna roll with it and see, see if uh, see if we can get something going do you have anything to, to add to that yeah mate I, I mean yeah you, you sort of yeah, said, said it quite well, but it's just, it's just for me it was the, hard, the harder thing, the hardest thing in any in any sort of 
venture, I guess, is starting, isn't it? You know, we, we came up with the idea a couple of weeks ago. It's taken us a few weeks to sort of get everything in place. Um, but yeah, I think I think you know we, we launched last night officially. Um, you know, in terms of just just go, just going public, just putting the Twitter public, putting the Patreon public, and yeah, we just felt like the you know the, there was there was a gap for something like this. There's no there's no you know so rare Patreon out there. This one you know producing content specifically for the Premier League, um, you know draft sort of systems, and two you know rewarding members in that sense. There's no combination of that as far as I'm aware. Um, to, to what we're trying to do, so I, I don't know. I think that I think there's a gap for it. I think it's new. It's it's gonna sort of rattle a few cages in that sense because it's a, a new thing. You know, like people don't like new things for whatever reason. Um, people don't like change. It's, it's human nature. Um, but I th- I think I think there's scope in it. I, th- I think there's legs in the idea. Um, and and yeah, I think I think there's a lack of sort of community engagement um, and sort of that inclusive feel to this sort of. Um, yeah, to this free-to-play sort of draft league that we have on Sora, there's no, there's no sort of, there's just no sort of uh, motivation, like you said, to really play it because two hundred thousand people for two hundred prizes, like it's the lottery. You're playing the lottery. I know it's free, but you know why don't you just continue playing it? Be part of this exclusive, really cool, motivated, you know, avid Sora group, and 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 better your chances of. Of winning some some cash prizes, I, I I you know I think it's a no brainer. I'm obviously going to say that, but ultimately I think it's a really like when you came to me with the idea, it, it just it felt not too good to be true, but it was just like, well, why hasn't this been done before? Type of thing. Um, yeah, well, I think the, the other issue on the other card, just for enjoyment, like obviously it's not for anyone to no one's going to get rich by playing the free to play, vice versa. But a lot of people playing recreationally too. Like you beat two hundred thousand people, so we're on out there tweeting about it. So celebrating you on Twitter, like you're not getting any validation. You're just sat in your bedroom collecting your limited reward and probably not knowing what to do with it. If you're, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. we want to kind of develop. We think that, that Sora is kind of missing that part, the community, the celebration. The engagement, the story, isn't it? Storylines and like, yeah, I mean, that's enough said. We, I want to get into the MLS, but like. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I hope people at least check it out and, uh, on, and take it on merit. But yeah, it's, it's an idea and it's is it. You can never be not for trying new things in the space. So, hundred yeah. percent. I just want to add though, before we do get into the MLS, um, we are running a free-to-play private league this weekend. So this this episode's going out Friday morning. You've got all day basically in the UK to enter our private league. The link is um, on my Twitter. So Harry Trades or at Harry Trades YT. Um, you just literally click click the link. There's there's a tweet. It's my Sec- uh, so not my last, my yeah, my second but last tweet. Just literally click the link and you'll be added into the private league. We're giving away five hundred dollars to the top three, three fifty for first, um, hundred for second, and, and fifty for third. You're gonna enter with your your Premier League draft lineup, and and that's it. Basically, we're, we're sort of doing a trial run for this first game week. Make sure you enter um, to to sort of be in, be in with a chance of. Of, of winning some cash prizes for, for nothing effectively um so yeah that that's that out the way sorry that this intro's taken 14 minutes um but we've got through quite a bit but yeah now it's time for the mls wonder kids lads we're gonna go we're gonna go position by position we'll start off with the, the most boring one first goalkeeper there's only a couple to go through talk to me who 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 who's sort of favorite to be the best under 23 goalkeeper in the mls this season Feder? Uh, definitely, without any doubt, um, Jordi Petrovic from the New England Revolutions. 
Um, there is there is no cards from him yet, which we have to wait a little bit. But uh, probably they're gonna come out soon because we're like since like five six days. I don't know if you noticed, guys. We are not having any new MLS cards auctioned, neither yeah. in limited nor in uh, in in rare or in super rare. So that's somehow a sign. Also on Saturday the MLS starts. So probably they will just announce a free-to-play league, most likely. And with that, probably they will also have the new game design of the new cards. And so we will have some new cards with the MLS, most likely, I assume, at least. Yeah. And um, so Jordan is going to have a card there. I think he's under 23 until 2024. Yeah, Which correct. for us is not that important because... Uh, He's rumored to go anyways in some time. I don't know if it's going to be in summer or it's going to be in in, uh, in, in the winter break. Uh, but he's a very he's very talented and he's base. He is too. He can play in Europe. Let's say that. I wouldn't say he's too good for the MLS because I'm not saying the MLS is shite in a way. <laughs> but he can play in Europe and. Uh, and I hope for him. He's still young. He's not like Blake that. Anyways, did his career and now enjoys his last three, four years in the MLS. But he can go to Europe, enjoy another fifteen to thirteen years of football, and be uh, be a be a really good goalkeeper, even for a good starting uh, um, team. My other shout, I would say, would be Pulse Camp, but that's pretty pretty. I would say it's seventy thirty to Pulse Camp Melia. Um, I think people are a little bit more conservative than I am on this one, if I'm honest. Uh, they still believe that Emilia uh, has a pretty good chance of doing so. I think Pauska will get the job because they, he played really good in the last game last season where Kansas City was actually decent. Where they actually, If they actually played like the last games, they would have qualified for the playoffs. And uh, yeah, so I think coach will not change it. Anyway, and um, I think he also said something like Melia um, is gonna start for me somehow if I before I get fired. And now they prolonged his contract, so he doesn't even have to um, play Melia, but he can play Postcamp. And then there's another third one, but I think Nash is gonna tell us about him. Yes, I am, Fedo. And that is uh, the man from Chicago, my team, Chris Brady. He is he is nailed on to start, which is rare. He does have cards, which is even rarer at this point. And, you know, under 23 summertime goalkeepers is just kind of... It, there was a lot of potential guys out there, you know, like Celentano's one that still could come back into the picture. Post, he's in a similar position with Paul Scamper. He looks like there's a fair chance he won't, he won't be there uh, starting the season off. Um, yeah, there's a few of these guys, but Chris Brady, he's 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 there. He's nailed. He's played every preseason game. He's a almost he's a prodigy from Chicago's point of view. They're, they're saying he's going to be the guy to come through. Big talent has been talked about for a few years in the youth setup. Played for the U.S. men's national team. There is a problem with Chicago's defense not being incredibly good lately. So, but it, it's almost. At this point, it's you got Brady, you got Petkovic, and I think I think Brady is going to be facing a lot of shots, so he's going to have them game weeks where 
he he might be able to give you a chance of winning them star rares in under 23, even against the European keepers. Because if he does get a clean sheet, I'm expecting 80, 90 points because he saved four or five shots, you know, and that's just the nature of the MLS and that's the nature of, you know, the goalkeeping matrix, basically. So, but yeah, the same token, word of warning, he will he will probably concede three goals <laughs> more often than I'd like as a fan. But um, yeah, he, he should have the talent. It should be his spot to lose. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's about it. I mean, it's uh, slim pickings out there, but yeah, I think they're the two. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I was just thinking in my head then, Hass, Hassel, we could sort of mention, obviously he's probably not, well, almost guaranteed not to start. Um, no, he's not starting, bro. Yeah, Van- Vancouver brought Harry, in uh, Harry, Tanaka. No, I'm not saying he's starting, Feder. Don't you know, worry, you don't bro, need to tell I, me. I, I know he's no, not starting, he, mister. The coach, the coach said, basically he's shit. He doesn't want to play him ever. I've never disagreed with that. I'm literally just saying... I know, Thomas I know, Hassel I know. is an under-23 keeper in the MLS <laughs> that isn't going to start this season. He started a lot last season. Um, got an injury to his hand, I think, towards the end of the last season. Uh, they kept him out, but yeah, they've signed a um, a very good J-League goalkeeper. Uh, I think Takanako or Tanako, whatever his name is. Uh, Takaoka plays, y- plays for Yokohama or used to play for Yokohama um, in the J-League. So yeah, that's kind of mid- uh, midfielders. That's kind of goalkeepers out the way. Um I've got a couple defenders on my list. I know, Feder, you've got a couple to add as well. And, and same for you, Nashi. I'm going to kick things off, though, with my prob- well, my favourite under-23 um, MLS defender, and that is Diego Palacios, um, LAFC. They play LA Galaxy this weekend, Chris, that you'll probably um, be watching quite closely. El Trafico. Oh, I think I've called it right, haven't I? Is it Trafico? Trafico? El Trafico, yeah. Yeah, yeah El Trafico. A little, little nod to the... Uh infamous LA traffic that I'm all too familiar with. But yeah, <laughs> that'll be a big game because we. I, I was telling you before, we got some weather coming through in California. It's supposed to be sort of rainstorm, high winds, a bit of a blizzard effect. So um, it could, you know, a big derby game. I think it's going to be the record attendance in MLS history because they're playing at a neutral ground, the Rose Bowl, which is a famous LA um, stadium. So it, it could just be a wild game. Uh, it, yeah, anything could go there. But yeah, back to Diego Palacios. He's he last season he really made a leap, proved himself in the league. Obviously, was in a uh, won the MLS Cup and uh, got the assist, the famous assist to Gareth Bale, your uh, your boy in the final there to, to equalise. So he's almost down in the down in folklore for uh, <laughs> LA fan, LAFC fans there. And yeah, he's a top quality player. Um, yeah, I think yeah, I think you've hit it now on the head. He'd be the one. He'd be in the you know, again, it's a little bit slim pickings, these under-23 defenders in, in the MLS this year, but he, I think he's in that top tier for me. Um, yeah, maybe maybe one more, which I don't know if Fedo's a fan, but um, we were talking about John Tolkien, someone who I'd add to that list. I'd say Tolkien and Palacios uh, are, are the two guys that I think they, they kind of stand out from the group. Um, and Tolkien's tenacious. Again, he's done it. He was linked away, which maybe suppressed his price a little bit. But if he's there, he should be in a fairly decent uh, Red Bulls team. They're always pretty solid. And yeah, he, I think he's just going to be a consistent performer. Um, Fedo, you had you had a couple of sort of dark horse newcomers to the league to, to add on, didn't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's 
talk a bit a little bit more about like we i will add the first right back as well so we get all the right backs out of the way we know we love our right backs they have very high ceiling if they do they get the hundreds quite easy which would uh, set which would take a center back pretty high scoring to get that like that's really unusual for a center back but for a high for a right back and the left back that's uh, more approachable let's say like that so let's get this one guy of the way out of the way there's a colombian guy somehow i have a fable for colombian guys <laughs> we'll see in the, in the in the in the progress of this episode um he's called mosquera and he's playing for portland timbers he's a right back he's really good he's very fast he was playing sometime he get he had some game time last week in the, the last games of the year and he showed some brilliance i think he can be really good i think he's also one to look out like maybe in two years he's going to be probably playing for in europe because he's actually really talented and he sees us he's for he's his space is amazing for the spaces you get in the mls and he also is as i saw in some videos in preseason he knows how to cross the side like that which isn't that big of a deal in portland because they don't have a big number nine if they don't play nice goda but let's see who's gonna play as number nine and um yeah but mosquera is one i don't he's he has sadly no card so we have to wait a little bit for them for all three i'm saying they all three don't have a card <laughs> so we have to all wait a little bit so what he would be the first guy yeah then we have a guy he's also colombian and his name is also Mosquera. <laughs> what are you doing with these Mosqueros? And he's playing for Cincinnati. He is loaned to them from, uh, I, I think it's Wolverhampton. It is. is it Wolverhampton? Yeah, Wolves. Wolverhampton from the Wolves. Yeah. He's and he's just a beast. Like he's he's the proper centre back as you would think about. He's like basically, I don't know how many of you know Jesus Murillo or Jema Andrade. So you're basically one of those guys. Both of them are also Colombian, by the way. So somehow <laughs> MLS loves Colombian centre-backs uh, or Colombian players in general. And um, yeah, he's, he's really good. I think he's talent-wise better than those two, obviously. And um, yeah, he still has no card. He's going to play for Cincinnati. He's also rumored to start, not rumored, he's predicted to start, actually. Okay. And I'm really excited to watch him play. I'm obviously going to watch that game because I have so many Cincinnati players. <laughs> but um, uh, He does I have cards, Feder, by the way. He has five oh, rares and 50 oh, limited, no super rares and no uniques. True, because he, he, he used to be at uh, Wolves before the when they launched the Premier League. I remember, yeah, 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 you're right. So I think they will mint some new ones of him, or actually maybe not because he, then he he basically missed media day. Okay, so then there's only five cars on the market. Okay, So you need to go buy a rare Mosqueta now. <laughs> I need to go buy a rare Mosqueta now, basically. Yeah. <laughs> if that, I believe it again. That but needs to happen. I believe in Cincinnati, I think they will have a very much even better season than last year. Yeah. They kind of kept the core together. And um, yeah. And the last one is a French kid. And we all know how good French defenders are, especially French centre backs at the moment. 
It's the same year as Saliba, Benoit Berdyashil, and not Benoit Berdyashil, Fofana. All these crazy, crazy talented kids. Yeah. Uh, he also he also used to play in Ligue 2. And now shout out to Trivin B. Probably he's going to buy one as well. I'm going to fight you for the ones, but I will leave you the one of 10 Super Rare. Or then get the two of 10 in Super Rare. Uh, he's a French centre-back from Charlotte. And uh, he, he is, he's called Adilson Malanda. And what I saw in... Uh, in preseason was really impressive like yeah. this kid knows how to ball like he's also very good with the ball so he, he can play those i there's also very uh niche uh statement i'm gonna say now andrew fontas is a very good defender with the ball but i don't like him so much as a defender itself but i think anivas adison malanda is as good as he is with the ball for mls obviously But he also has the more physical side to it, yeah, and the speed and the pace to basically catch defender uh, attackers if they actually then once get past him. So I think he's really one to watch. I'm really excited about his card. Actually, one out of those three, he's the one I want most, to be honest. And um, yeah, those would be my picks, um, like underground picks. I think Nashi and you told uh, Tolkien and Ezekiel Palacios they are basically the best. Yeah, I would personally go with Palacios just because of the risk that I think he's very happy in LA as well. Got a kid, he got a child there. He, they, it's now his second, third season actually, and he also was in Europe already. So mm -hmm. there's not this dream of him to go to Europe to show basically that he's capable of playing in Europe. So he basically is enjoying life now. He's getting paid pretty good. Yeah. And I think the risk for him is more going like, which is not the risk, but for him it would be more like going to Brazil, playing for Sao Paulo, mm -hmm. Corinthians, Mineiro, something like that. Yeah. Which he's good enough. And Tolkien, what I love about him, he's a crazy player. He's just crazy. And uh, that makes him so great as well because he has, he's not afraid of anything. But he is, he is very young. He's also two years younger or three years younger than yeah, Palacios. three years. Three years. So he has more to prove in a way to himself as well. Mm -hmm. He's only played in the US. And you never know with this Leipzig Red Bull group. So maybe Leipzig calls or Salzburg. Salzburg wouldn't be bad, but Leipzig, then, as a five-wise, that wouldn't be that great. Yeah, yeah. No, it makes sense. Um, Tolkien is a bit younger, like you said. If he has one more good season, then yeah, I just can't see how he doesn't doesn't get a move to Europe. I mean, yeah, slim pickings for defenders, lads, like we said. I've got Jalen Neal down on my list, who probably, well, definitely won't start for LA Galaxy, but he is only 19 years old, involved in the, the US uh, national team setup. Just, just a name to throw out there uh, for you guys listening at home, just in case he could be one of those ones that's like, you know, a, an injury or two away from being LA Galaxy centre-half. He, he is really highly touted to be Top, top player. Um, so, yeah, keep an eye out for him. That's Jalen Neal, N-E-A-L. Um, but, yeah, other than Wait, that, uh, Chrissy, go on. No, uh, Neshi, what's the name of the guy LA Galaxy just signed from Fluminense? He's under 22 as well. Oh, okay. No, I don't know his name, but, he, yeah, he's a, he's a right back. Obviously, he doesn't have any cards yet, but um, he should be locked in because Julian Araujo, who would have been on this list, but uh, ended up in uh, Catalonia or Barcelona, <laughs> he's uh, 
he's he's being replaced by a, a youngster out of Brazil. I've never seen him play, but I assume he's pretty tasty and he he should have a clear path to starting. So yeah, that's a good shout to when they when they do release the new cards, keep an eye out on him. Yeah, hundred um, percent. Okay, that's probably defenders out of the way. Like we said, it's just not really too much going on. Um, in the defenders' sphere, we'll move on to midfielders, where there is a little bit more. Well, probably, yeah, I'd, I'd argue and, and say there's, there's a lot more quality on offer. I would say in the under 23 um, MLS midfielder category, I'll throw out some. I'll throw out one name, and I know Fed is a massive fan. We'll start off with Thiago Almada. How good of a season do you think he's going to have, Feder? He's the prince. I don't need to talk about him. And, uh, <laughs> he talks about himself. <laughs> he talks about himself. Everybody knows how much I love him. Yeah, I was. Uh, you, you remember how awesomely happy I was that I won him. I actually won a Tiago Almada, which made I me remember. so happy. Yeah, I didn't. There was. I think the the guy beneath me got a a better reward actually at that time, worth ETH wise. But I didn't give a, <laughs> give a flower, <laughs> give a flower because I just won Tiago Almada at that point, which uh, made me so freaking happy because I really, really like that kid. When he plays with the ball, it's it's just like I would start dreaming. And uh, he's just absolutely perfect for the MLS because he can navigate through those bigger defenders because he's so petite and, and so technical in a way. Yeah, yeah. Plus, he's super spacey on the short term. Like a little bit like Messi. Obviously, he's not as good as Messi. I would never say that. Uh, but he is, he is perfect. And then he has now the, the perfect wingers for himself. In preseason, he looked really good to with Luis Araujo. Let's see how this is going to work out. And uh, But also now they got Etienne Green Jr., which is his perfect winger for Almada because he's just spacey, pacey and runs in the pace, in the spaces where Almada's going to put in the ball. And also now they have Giacomakis, who is a true finisher. Josef was one as well, but he was always injured, so... Let's see how let's see how he's gonna go do at uh, Inter Miami. But Almada, if he stays, what I hope for him for the whole season, will have a brilliant, brilliant season. And him, and now we said the other name. I would suggest him and Santi Rodriguez would be my midfield picks for the MLS under 23 midfielders because Santi Rodriguez is gonna play for a team. That's superbly good in attacking, has superbly good attacking talent. They now got Manuel uh, Pellegrini as well, who is crazy. He was going to play on the left wing once Santiago More uh, Santi Rodriguez is going to play as a 10. Now Andrade is going to play on the left, left wing for first, but then they have Talis Magno at nine. I think we're going to talk about him later. And uh, on right wing, we are going to play with one of I know Nashi's more favorable and maybe even favorite players in the MLS is Gabriel Pereira and uh, actually I agree with Nashi we talked before as we said Gabriel Pereira if he gets a forward card is one to get 100% he's superbly good way too good for the MLS and uh, he used to play at, in Brazil Serie A as a starter as well so that's amazing and Santiago Rodriguez with those fire guns in front he just needs to give them the ball and they basically do the size for themselves so he's gonna just collect assists as i don't know who and <laughs> um yeah and he learned from maxi morales and i think he's more talented than maxi morales so i think 
we can expect greater things from him. And I'm really hyped to see Santiago Rodriguez. I think now against Nashville, it's going to be a little bit too early, but we will see him soon and we will be amazed how much fun and joy he will bring us. I think, I think when we're talking, when I'm looking at under 23s here in the MLS, I kind of like to rank them by like, sort of like tiers, you know, and like in that top tier for me, there's only three players in the MLS under 23. That is Armada, that's Ricky Puge, and it's Facundo Torres from um, Orlando. I expect Orlando to get better this year. They've made some big additions to their front line. And for me, them three, as long as they're in the league, they're fit and healthy, they're almost like gold standard. They're going to they're gonna do the business. They're going to always be good because they are effectively playing below their level, you know? Yeah. And they're young and they're fit and they're great. Then we get to like the next tier of guys. And I think um, some of the guys Fedo just talked about there in, in New York kind of fit nicely into that category where they they have the potential to score, I think, alongside these guys, but they almost need a couple of things to go right. They need the team to be good. They need a couple of other teammates to not get injured or have bad seasons, etc., to kind of make that level. And uh, yeah, I think I think the New York uh, City guys are in there. Santiago Moreno is a name that comes up. I think he got an injury. I'm not sure, but he's he was almost in and around that level for me last year where if he can really link up well with Evander, he could be putting up some serious like top-tier numbers. And then you drop to someone like a Pablo Ruiz, who was almost a golden boy last season. And again, he 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 has the potential. If, if uh, Jefferson Savarino goes down at Salt Lake, I'd be snapping up a Ruiz. If he... Savarino gets a semi-serious injury. I hope he doesn't, but, you know, mm-hmm. if he does, there's an opportunity there because he'll be back on set pieces and that takes him from a fairly decent under-23 card, you know, to a almost elite one. So I think there's a couple guys in that tier that you can pick off that, if you're paying attention, can really make that leap to be like an elite card and for their price points, a lot, a lot more um, feasible. But, yeah, that's kind of how I weigh it up. There's a few guys lower down that I think if you want a bit of a gamble, some of these young guys. I know you've got your eye on a few really young guys. Um, I'll just pick one more out um, because we were talking about the Galaxy and that's Efren Alvarez. And he's almost been a a bit of a golden boy for a few years and hasn't had his real breakout season yet. If he can win that spot in LA um, next to Puge, Chicharito, Jovalich, they got some talent going forward and LA Galaxy always going to score. He's a real quality player. He just almost, yeah, he just hasn't quite found it yet, but he's another one that I'd throw in there as a cheap option that if he gets it right, he's got the talent to to, to make that jump. So, yeah, that's where I'm looking at. No, yeah, it makes sense. I, li- I like how you how you tiered things out. I, I'm a big fan of Alvarez. He's just, it seems like his place right now or has been is, is sort of being an impact player off the bench and for a lot of for a lot of game weeks, you'll end up scoring like seventies and eighties off the bench, which is frightening. Really, you know, imagine what he could do if he was starting regularly, right? Because he is a set piece taker. He's involved in, you know, the sort of attacking side of, of LA Galaxy's game, attempted assists and all that business. A couple other names I will add to the list that I'm quite hopeful for. One, well, my, I'm most hopeful for Cole Bassett. I would say, I think he can creep into that. Not not elite tier, not in that top three, but I think he could jump into that second tier down that, that you sort of mentioned there. Um, if he can get on sets or share sets with maybe Jack Price at 
Colorado Rapids. Um, Cole Bassett, you know, went to Feyenoord, went to Fortuna Sittard on loan. Didn't really work out for him in, in Europe. He's come back. He's still only 21 years old, which is mental, really. Um, and I think he'll be that number 10 for the Rapids. I'm not saying the Rapids will be great, but I do think he'll be involved, you know, decisively if if they sort of score goals. Um, a couple of younger names that we can sort of just throw in there. Jack McGlynn of Philadelphia Union, who I really, really rate, highly rated um, under-19 US national player. Brian Rodriguez, Chicago Fire. Um, Daniel Alderman for New York Red Bulls, sort of took over Frankie and Meyer's spot last year, well, at the back end of, of last year. Um, Quinn Sullivan for, for uh, Philadelphia as well. He's more of a number nine, but for some reason he's got midfielder cards. Keep an eye out for him. Obed Vargas had a wicked season last year with the Sounders, got injured though towards the end of the season. I think, well, according to Surrey Data, he's still injured. He is exceptionally good. I think he's, he's still only 17. He was starting in the MLS at 16 for God knows how many games in a row until he got injured. Um, Brooklyn Reigns is another one at Houston. Noel Buck at the New England Revolution. Just a couple of, you know, 19 to sort of, 17 to 19 year olds to keep your eye on. Like I said, none of these guys are. I, I can't imagine any of them like being SO5 viable, um, but I do think there's there's scope if, if you're looking to, to sort of hold these these guys long term. Um, is that midfielders done, lads? Yeah, I would add yeah. some. Okay. We, uh, just uh, just as I am uh, a little bit of a fanatic in this shit. I'm sorry for that word. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, yeah, uh, what. Uh, Adding to Nashi, yes, I agree with you on Santi, Santi Moreno. In this way, I'm a big, big fan of Santi Moreno. I own his super rare card. Um, I, I, I think he's amazing. He's very, he's very fit for the MLS. He's perfect for the MLS. It's very fast, and I think it could very link up really good with Evander. Um, giving some extra information, what I heard and what I was told, he has a hamstring injury, as we all know. Like very fast players, always get hamstring injuries. Uh, so let's see. He's he can play. He's listed as questionable. So mm, it's a fifty-fifty decision. I wouldn't risk him, but uh, I need to check out if I get more resources. Uh, on Harry, on your side, I will hundred percent agree with you. Noel Buck is a really great talent. I think people need to look at him. Um, he has a nice rookie card as well, so that's pretty cool. If you yeah. like this stuff, and. Um, yeah, uh, staying at the New England Revolutions, I think uh, I nearly forgot him last part as well, but I will not forget him because he's worth to be mentioned. I think is Dylan Borrero, another Colombian kid. <laughs> I have it with my Colombians somehow. I don't know why. And uh, um, Dylan Borrero, he's 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 good. I would just say he is good. People need to see him play, and then they will understand how good he is. Yeah. And uh, him pairing up with Jill. It's pretty cool. He was injured the whole last year, most of the year when they got him from Mineiro. Uh, so we couldn't see too many of him. But if you know how good the kid is, you can get excited for him. And then another very cool kid, but he I don't think he's good in SO5, is Ayala, David Ayala. He's out in, as injured as well. He's supposed to be, Harry knows him, I told him already most of the times how good he is <laughs> but uh, he's supposed to be the the successor of the eternal diego chara he now is he underwent some surgery so he's out the first two months of mls but then i think he will come back and fight for some minutes at least this this year i think this year diego chara will still 
churn up loads of um, of good of good uh, games for him. And then the last we cannot forget, and he deserves to be mentioned as well. I don't think he's tier zero, but definitely tier one. It's uh, also another Argentinian guy from Cincinnati. His name is Alvaro Barreal. And uh, he's playing as a left wing back at the end, but he's very attacking. Um, he's he's a trained number ten actually, so he he's he's very technical, yeah. but he's also very fast. That's why you can also play him on the wings. And the good thing is, if Acosta would ever need a rest or whatever, he's gonna get the number ten role from Acosta, which is superb for him. And he's also the number two after if Acosta is somehow not there. At least for for corners and free kicks, he's the second man in the line. For for penalties, that would be Vasquez or Brenner. Um, but yeah, Barreal definitely we don't need we we can't overlook. He deserves a shout. And uh, also, what I would be very interested to know from Nash's side as well, how he sees that the situation in LA Galaxy at the moment that they're so desperately looking for a DP midfielder. How that will affect uh, Rike Push. I know everybody was talking about uh, Isco, and then there were some other names. But Isco was kind of the hottest. He's still somewhere in a room, maybe in a back door, being talked about. I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, why? Why do you think they're doing that? They have. They basically gave the keys to Rike Push. Are they not content with him, or what are they trying to do? What they need is. A better winger than Douglas Costa, in my opinion. But uh, maybe I'm 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 curious to uh, to hear your opinion. Yeah, I think I um, yeah. Obviously, you, you see these links, and I'm not sure how much credit to put into them or weight to, because um, yeah, their midfield set. They're they three in the midfield. Are three, probably their strongest part of their team is uh, Gaston Brugman, who came in partway through last season and made a very underrated difference along with Puge, very good player, very tidy at what he does, you know, a good sort of pivot in there. Um, Mark Delgado has been proven at the MLS level to be a upper upper level player, good performer, consistent, and he sits in behind there with Brugman and they just let Ricky Puge just run the show and that's why he has been so good in the league and so good on so rare um, because of them too. And I don't see... I don't see a centre midfielder player being a priority unless they were planning on moving to a diamond formation or something like that, um, which I don't have any reason to think. So, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Um, yeah, maybe some of these rumours you don't know. You know, LA Galaxy gets rumoured to every free agent in Europe for the last 10 years, you know, so mm-hmm. you never know. But I don't think that they they need, they need that player there. Um, and I, I think you're right. I think they do need wingers. I think they need... They, they've got a really good backup in Dejan Jovalic, which we'll probably talk about shortly. Um, and it's come to fruition. So Hernandez looks to be out Chicharito this weekend and they got him to step up. So, um, yeah, you'd think they'd want some wide players unless they're trying to change the system. Um, but, but, yeah, it'll be interesting to see who they do bring in in that DP because I do think they need some depth. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. Um, I was just thinking about Barry L then. I literally remember watching him last year um, and I just, I, like, I literally watched him for five minutes. I messaged PSU, um, Sean, uh, you know, that, that we regularly see on Sora Data's 
um, show with Laird. But yeah, I, I messaged him saying, who is this? Who's this Burrell kid? Because like, he was taking a few corners and I was like, okay, that sparked my interest. And then like literally I, I bought his card mid-game and then I'm not exaggerating. Three minutes later, the guy just goes and bags, doesn't he? So that was a, a nicely timed buy because I, I, only mess- I only messaged PSU because he had the super at the time. Um, and I just wanted to know if he knew anything about him, but he didn't. He just won him. Um, but yeah, really good player, and, and his scores really came on towards the end of, of last season, even with Acosta in the team and, and him not being on set pieces and stuff. He, he played really well at left wing back, like uh, like Feder said. So yeah, midfield is a bit more complete, I would say, in the under-23 20, under sort of region for summer. Um, there's some very viable options in there. Um, and, and the same can be said for, for forwards as well. I'm just looking at my list here. There's, there's probably, I'd say four, maybe five. I'm not going to call them elite, but they're definitely a couple, two or three are elite. I would say for the summer, and then you, you're probably branching out a little bit. But a couple of big names, we'll, we'll obviously talk about them in depth. But my sort of favourite, I'll give you my my front, my top three. So it has to be, it has to be Alan Velasco, alongside Jesus Ferreira, the FC Dallas boys, and then for my third pick, I would say. Even though it's a risk because he is going to be playing in a different position this season, but he was in—he was absolutely immense last year. Watching him play, he's so electric, and it has to be Talis Magno for me. Feder, can he step into Tati Castellanos's shoes for um, for New York City this season? Uh, this question is very easy to answer. He can't, not because he's worse than Tati, but he's a completely different type of player than Tati. Tati is an ice-cold number nine, a complete mentality monster who just wants to put the ball in the net. Nothing else. That's its whole purpose on the goal, on the field. Nothing else. And Thales Magno is a creative, absolutely brilliant player who is fast. Tati is also very fast. I love Tati. Tati is what top two favorite player of mine. You know that. Top three. Sandro, Tati, and Jude. Uh, but Thales Magno is amazing. And... Uh, from talent, I think he's brilliant. He's good enough for Europe. I don't know if his mentality is good enough for Europe, which for me is way more important because he seems very childish. And also, if he loses the ball, he's not like, oh, he's like a little bit frustrated and then he loses the ball. He's, he's very creative in his style of playing. Yeah. If you, if you, if you ha- have no particular liking in New York City or whatever, but you look, you watch him play, you think, wow, that's a great player. He's amazing to watch. Uh, but that was also mainly because he was mainly playing on the left wing. Yeah. And I think he is, he is more, he feels more happy on the left wing. Let's see how that is. The problem New York City has, they have so many good wingers and they don't have anybody in the number nine that he is, since he is very tall, though, yeah. and he yeah. has the physique at the end of the day. He basically is the pre. He has to go to the number nine spot because the other ones are more like small, short wingers, a little bit more like Alan Velasco. Yeah. And uh, and so he has to be the number nine. But I think he would have loved to be a left wing, and I think his best time will always be as a, a left wing, mm-hmm. as a winger because he can also play right wing. And um, we will see. He needs to improve his shooting a little. I really have to say that. But otherwise, he has all the talent in the world. We just have, and he has Santiago Rodriguez. I think Santiago Rodriguez and Palace Magno could be a really, really decent stack, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, and um, 
yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to him. I wish him the best. I think he's brilliant. And uh, he just needs to get this, which is some, in, in a sense, it's bad because we all like to see those childish players who do the fun out of him. But he needs to get a little bit more effective in a way. Yeah, yeah. And, the uh, showboating, yeah. Exactly. But I wouldn't uh, give him the number three spot, but I understand why you gave him the number three spot. With the other two spots, I think we completely agree. And I think, especially since you, Neshi, and Harry both own those kids. I think you both should talk about them and then we can talk about the other ones. It's time for a pump. Is it a time for a pump quiz? <laughs> Self-pump time. Get it out there now, she Pump well, it up. Yeah, the reason I I think Magno as a centre forward, I'm not sure he's an elite so rare card. He's definitely talent-wise, MLS-wise, an elite player. He's at that level. Um, but when he's played striker, uh, I mean, I've looked at his sort of all-around score and it hasn't. It drops off significantly to where he's out on the win, winning more duels, etc. I'd have three guys in the top three who are in that elite tier that we we're talking about earlier. But one of Cucho Hernandez is the last one for me. Yeah, on a a team that should be improved. He's had an off he's had an off season now. Zellerayen looks to be fit coming into the season. He could be absolutely. He's got a tough game first game of the week, so you kind of hope he has a stinker. You <laughs> might be able to get a bit of a bargain on him. And he's a player that. You you know, he loses under 23 for the summer, which is a problem. But he's still going to be an elite forward in the MLS as long as he's there, in my opinion. Um, and he's kind of in that gold standard, the same as Velasco and the same as Jesus Ferreira, who's just going to always produce in the MLS and on so rare because they've all proven to put up solid AA score, which we know you need for me to get in that elite level, you know. And they're yeah. also going to be amongst the decisive. So... They're my three elite tiers. And get back to Ferreira. And I mean, Alan Velasco, he came highly touted to the league as sort of a young, prodigious talent. And he's shown flashes why when you watch him, he's, you know, he's fun to watch. He just does things that are just a bit ridiculous. And you can tell that he will go on to play at a higher level. Uh, but a bit like a, a Thiago Armada, really. And um, yeah, he gets on set pieces. He's a technical player. There's not much to be said. And I think everyone kind of knows him and his price is priced in. He's priced at that elite level in the current market. Jesus Ferreira, I think, is almost the opposite in the sense of he's done, he's been there, he's done it, he's proven to be elite now a couple of seasons. And he's almost, people forget about him because he, I don't know whether he's American or he's <laughs> whatever it is. You know, if he was Argentinian, I think, or Brazilian, I think, the Jesus Ferreira train will be a lot hotter on Surrey. I don't know whether there is that bias or something, but people almost, he didn't do do much in the World Cup. He kind of fell out, but people forget that he's a, forget top under 23. He's an elite striker in this league. He's, yeah, he'd be the main man in most teams. He's he's just going to score goals. He's going to be on penalties and he's going to be in and around it. And a Dallas team that I think have a lot of goals in them. So yeah, I think he's the one, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, I need a player that's, kind of gold dust and I think I don't know what his price is now but I know it's he's at 500 quid for a rare sorry to interrupt you and 67 pounds is a limited yeah that's just that's just absolute daylight robbery and I think um yeah I think the market's missing massively on him there because he's I think maybe there was people think he's going to move because he's obviously is performing well but his personal situation he's on DP money he's play he lives in Dallas he's got a big ranch out there he's from there he's got his family there I don't see him in a rush to move because I don't think, unless he goes to a top three 
league. I don't think he'll make more money than he's making in the MLS right now. So I think he might get a couple of years out of Jesus Ferreira and that'll be, um, yeah, great value on that. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I got to add. They're kind of, they're the top tier players for me. And there are a lot of players in the tier below that I, I can get into if you like, if you don't have anything to add. I was just going to I was going to add a few names and I'm sure they're going to come up on your list but it's funny like we've got the the Alan Velasco and and Jesus Ferreira sort of forward stack but we also have the Brandon Vasquez and Brenner Cincinnati stack Feder I know you're going to be a bit more interested in this than I am I guess do we think these two are going to link up well this season again 100% I think they will be even better than last season I think uh, Tucho Brenner Alan Velasquez and Jesus Ferreira are the ones to go because Brenner is just an ice-cold striker. He's fast and he can get the spaces to where Acosta puts him the ball. I think that the, he doesn't have the A game as, for example, Alan Velasco has, but it's basically the same situation with Chucho Hernandez and Tela Ryan. They just even a little bit better because they know each other way longer now and they know how they have to play together. And especially in a complete system. Uh, plus, he has Brandon Vasquez, who's also very complement to him uh, in a way that they often uh, put up assists for each other, or uh, and that's pretty pretty impressive. And uh, as I said, I'm expecting bigger things from Cincy. I think it's really great that they could keep the team together. But I heard fingers crossed because I hope it's going to happen. They're going to uh, sign an extension maybe with Lucho Acosta because he deserves more. He's their maestro. He, he's basically why they were good and why they are going to be good. And um, let's all be happy to see them all hopefully sometime still play together in MLS. I think this trio we will 100% not see anymore next season. That's without a doubt I hope they will make it to the winter break. But um, I think Brendan Vasquez and Brenner are both gone in the winter break, even before, maybe. Okay, fair enough. Okay, couple of couple of names just below that, Chris, that you'll probably touch upon. I'll just, I'll just throw some out and you can sort of dig into them. But obviously, Dejan Jovalich, is, as we kind of mentioned, which we'll get into. Apoku's probably up there as well for me, um, in and around that sort of LA... FC team. Um, outside that, you've got Pedro Vite. We could sort of mention. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, Veroni. You could probably mention. There's probably four names there, Chris. Who, who would you sort of um, like to highlight out of those? Out of those four. Um, well, there's there's a range of guys, and I think in the, the MLS has a lot of these guys. The beauty of the MLS is going to be goals. So MLS forwards are always going to be in and amongst the decisives. You know. And I think that tier below them, top three that I said, yeah, there's a lot of names. I think Brenner and Vasquez are in there. There's people like Julian Carranza, who's, you know, he's he's not glamorous, but he's up front for one of the best teams in the league. He's going to get goals. Talas Magno, I think, is a bit more, has, has some sort of upside if he can really put it together. Pedro Vite, he kind of has that upside too because he's, young enough and sort of we haven't seen enough of him to really know what he's capable of and he out of the ones you just mentioned does have so rare wise the at least shown the potential to make the leap into that elite category because his AA and his last sort of 15 games there 
is over 10, you know, and that's significant as an attacking player. Um, so if he can pair that up with some, a few more decisives, he could be a really effective player. Um, but yeah, these are a little bit more unknown, unproven quantities from a, you know, we got Stipe um, Buick, I think you pronounce it. Again, same kind of idea. He's come into the league, pedigree, talent, you know, similar to a Poku, he's got it, but are they going to get the starts consistently? And then are they going to make the most of them starts to become, you know, a protagonist in the league? And yeah, that's just, these are just kind of a bucket of guys that, you know, are there or thereabouts. I think Vrioni is almost in the Carranza bucket where I think the Red New England will be a bit better this year. I think he'll be the sort of the number nine for a good team. He won't rack up AA, but he might just be so effective with decisives and being on the end of things that um, he becomes a viable card. So you kind of can take your pick, mix it around with your gallery. If you've, you know, if you've got guys that you like to stack them with or, you know, mix them up on, on off weeks, you want to, you want to play them with someone who's over 23. I think there's plenty of options there. And uh, yeah, people have pick at a bunch. There's almost, yeah, there's a few that could make the leap. I think Magna and Vitae are two of those. And then, yeah, there's them top three up there who you could say can only, you know, they've already priced in um, for the most part, especially for Hernandez and Velasco. But um, yeah, like I said, I think Jesus Ferreira is the best value uh, best value on this list. So that's where, that's where I'll round it out. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that with the Ferreira situation. I mean, Brenner's is, is at a nice price, £355 right now for his rare floor, 50 quid for a limited... Um, little bit more expensive than uh, sorry a little bit cheaper than Ferreira but the rest of those guys you're looking at you know Velasco at 750 floor for a rare Magno 665 um and then you've got uh where's he too yeah Chucho Hernandez at 780 at probably yeah the most expensive actually of all these forward which is interesting obviously because he is aging out but I guess a lot of people probably probably don't even care they'll probably just pair him with Zeller Royam won't they and just sort of just go at it at um yeah, to a champion, you know, champion America or or even gas, you know, rather than just sticking him in under 23. They actually won him as a tier one a couple of months ago, to be fair, which I ended up selling regrettably now, just thinking about it. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I've got enough forwards. Maybe I, I've got a Ferreira. Hopefully I can add some more depth um, over these next coming weeks. But yeah, the, the, the forwards are interesting. I think, I think, like you said, the MLS does breed goals. And I think a lot of these sort of like, you know, tier one, tier two forwards that we've just mentioned outside of those, you know, the top three, like they'll go on little streaks where they'll score like three or four goals in four games and they just become hot. But don't be surprised if they just blank for five games. Like they just, for some reason with, with these, t- and they're young, like well, I get it. They're not, the consistency isn't there for all these forwards. It's never going to be. Um, they can't all be top goal scorers in the league type of thing. But I just, I just be surprised, like, I don't know. Outside of those top three, I think the rest of them will be really streaky. Like you'll see them go on a little run of a couple of games. They look hot. You know, just be careful. Like don't don't buy into hype too quickly. Is kind of what I would just say as a, as a word of warning because you know these you know a couple of these forwards aren't elite, but they could have an elite run of games if that makes sense. Like a poker could just score two or three hundreds in five games, and you think he's the boy, and then the next couple of game weeks he's on the he's on the bench. So like. You know, just just be wary of things like that because the MLS can throw spanners in the works, um, to say the least, in in terms of you know matchups and injuries. And sometimes it's quite hard to find information, um, and and sometimes you know managers just managers like to rotate as, as as they do in most leagues. But you know, it does seem to happen more often than not in um, in the MLS. So just just be sort of wary of that. 
Uh, Feder, any more forwards you'd like to add to, to your list? Difficult. Uh, I do like Pedro Vito. I think he's a very good shout. Um, he's also going to play now with uh, Cordova. They have Ryan Gold. Yeah. That's kind of a cool trio in a way. And um, so Pedro Vito is on that list my favorite. Let me think about, I hate Rioni. I think he's shit. He's always been shit. Even at Juventus in the youth. Never buy Rioni, in my opinion. Um, one of the, I don't understand why they ever bought him, to be honest. They they have so good scouting. Then at least please, you have Gustavo Bu and then you buy Rioni. I don't understand this, but uh, that's a topic for another uh, for another, day, another day. Let's say that. Uh, um, so please don't buy Rioni, guys. And... Um, Okay, but maybe I just jinxed it and he's going to have the ball a season of all. <laughs> but uh, and, uh, but uh, let me think about it. Thiago Andrade, I wouldn't buy as well. Because, you wouldn't? Uh, you wouldn't buy? I wouldn't. Because okay. not consistent enough. Consistent enough. Not good enough to... He, he just lacks the talent and comfort to the other guys, and especially as soon as Santiago Rodriguez is coming back, I think Pellegrini is going to take over his spot. If Gabriel Pereira gets a forward card, I think that could be great to great, great to have because he could have a similar AA game as Alan Velasco, who's going to destroy defenses. Yeah. Um, let me think about it. Um, there's another shout from Montreal could be interesting but um we have to see because montreal is a completely new branding new new team basically new coach everything yeah his name is uh, mason toyer he's also decent he's actually a decent player uh-huh on sorry is also very decisive needed to be have a good score he is capable of those especially with kyoto next to him but um I think he's very cheap, so maybe that could be a shout. But other than that, I think Oyeda, the guy um, Orlando bought, he's not under 23 anymore, but he's going to ball pretty hard. I think Orlando, Orlando's attack has got really good. As she said, Facundo and Oyeda, that could be a really great stack. Mm-hmm. And yeah, not so many left in the MLS that I would suggest. I would... I would. I, I'm with Nashi actually. I would either get Jesus Ferreira or Brenner, one of those two. Yeah, yeah. What about um Leandro Campana? Yeah, Inter Miami is very bad. I would not. You wouldn't ever touch him. Touch. I wouldn't touch. I wouldn't touch DC United players. I wouldn't touch <laughs> the Miami players. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't touch um, uh, Chicago FC players. I'm sorry, Nashi, but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, talking of under 23s, it hasn't, I don't think it's official yet, but Chicago have, are supposedly like today or tomorrow signing a under 23 forward from uh, Athens, P O A K Athens, I think. For yeah. Like three and he was supposed to be a bit of a young Greek prodigy. And it's kind of funny because a lot of these Greek fans are now like, basically criticizing the MLS and the player for the go in there because they thought he was the next you know, great thing. I think it was a $3 million deal, which is not a lot, but significant for our MLS and especially the Greek league right now. So 
an unknown quantity, but he's one to look out for. But yeah, Chicago, I don't think that Chicago are going to be as bad as people think. And that, that's not just rose-tinted glasses. I think that, um, I think in terms of balance, they have a pretty well-balanced team. And I think that they're going to be the biggest, they're not going to be the best team in the league by far, but I think everyone has them at the bottom. And I think that um, if they do sign a striker who is who is lively and serviceable, I think they they almost are going to be like a real dark horse to like cause some upsets this year compared to expectations, I guess. Um, I think in terms of Miami, I think Miami as well. I think actually, I think it as a whole, they're not a great side, but they've made some huge, potentially huge signings this season. And they've got one more DP spot. I mean, obviously they're linked with Messi. Whether that happens or not is probably not, but like they have that spot to do something with. And a lot of good players would like to live in Miami. So he's up front there with um, Joseph Martinez and probably a lot of people see Martinez the last year or two and think, you know, whatever, he looks a bit ropey, he's injured on out. But in his prime in the MLS, Joseph Martinez was absolutely lethal. He was head and shoulders above almost any other player in the league. So yeah. you can get back to anything close to that as a duo with him and Campania. And Campania's a good player. So rare-wise, again, not great because he's play style and he's AA. But I think there could be goals in Miami in both ends, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So... Um, but they did sign a really, uh, a really experienced uh, centre back, uh, Kristov, I think, from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, okay. and he's played for Ukraine like sixty times. He should be a real good addition for the MLS. So, so he's not under twenty three. He's uh, he's a bit of an old head, but I picked up his super rare for peanuts, and I think he's going to be like a nailed on starter. And he, you know, he could get a bunch of duels won, etc. So yeah, a little bit, little tip of knowledge for the for the MLS over there. No, I appreciate it. Okay, we're going to end on who we think is going to be um, conference champions, both conferences. Um, Feda, we'll go with you first. East. Uh, East, Philadelphia Union. They just, they just kept the core team together. They're too good as a team. They're, they, they deserve the MLS Cup, and I hope this year they will get it. I was very surprised that they didn't lose Kai Wagner. And now that they didn't lose Kai Wagner, I think him and Jack Elliott, like every corner they take is basically a lethal weapon for them. Mm -hmm. They're so good defensively. I can't see them not being top three seated and then hopefully winning the MLS Cup because I think Philly somehow deserves it now. They were constantly, which is very strange for an MLS club. Very, very strange. They were constantly good the last three to four years, actually. And uh, let's say three years. And uh, I, I think they deserve it. This team showed so many times how good it actually is. And maybe they can reward themselves this this year. Nashi? Um, Philly's a good shot, but um, I'm going to go against the grain and say I think that... I mean, yeah, I probably, I mean, realistically, I probably do think Philly are favourites, but <laughs> I don't want to go along with that. I would put in uh, Toronto and New England who could who could challenge them. They're the two teams. I don't see anyone else really doing it. I like what Charlotte's done, but I don't think they'll have enough. Columbus, they'd have to hit a real big upside because they're kind of reliant on a couple of star players there. Um, Orlando, kind of the same. If Orlando just catch fire with their front line, 
and Facundo Torres stays through the summer, they got a chance. But I think New England is really, you know, they've been there and abouts before, and they've like like we talked about, they've got these guys, you know, that we're not really, um, you know, like no one's too excited about. But they 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 just kind of I don't know. I think they get results at home when they're playing well. And that's really important in the MLS. And I think they got enough to get some results away. So Toronto and uh, New England are teams that I think could challenge. But Philadelphia is probably where the smart money is. Yeah, it's hard to look past Philly, isn't it? But I, I do like Toronto. If I had like gun to my head, I, I would. I'm going to say Toronto. I, I do really like their front line. And I think one full, you know, full season now for Insigne, Bernadeschi, and 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 so on and so forth. I just think. Yeah, there could be some serious firepower. It's just, you know, a, a case of, you know, can they keep it tight at the back and can they outscore, you know, opposition, basically, and, and win games. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll stick my neck out and say Toronto there. Okay, um, West, Feder? No, I, I, I went first. You know, somebody else has to go first. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'm going to say FC Dallas. I really think the combination of... I mean, I'm a big fan of Paul Ariola as well. That front three last year was deadly on count. Like away from home, Dallas just found ways to score lots of goals, and that's always a good sign. I think if they can really, if they can foot like I just at home they weren't as good as they'd like to be last year. But I think they got a great young goalkeeper in Martin Pice. I think great front line. I don't mind their midfield. They, they're probably lacking a little bit of. Um, a bit of a uh, little bit of quality, but just a bit of experience in there. They, they've got legs, but I just don't know if they've got that. They haven't got that like DP, you know, number ten type of midfielder, which I guess they don't really need when they've got a front line like they have in that sense. Um, like there's there's no Carlos Heel in there, is there? There's no sort of Zellerian f- for what I can can think of. And if they can keep it tight at the back as well, I, I think I think Dallas could not so much surprise us because they can. Everyone knows they've got a good team, but I do think they could. Come, come up, uh, clutch and, and win the win the conference. Yeah, I like that shot. I mean, I think obviously they brought in uh, Jimenez too, and he's he's a good depth piece. And I think he'll he'll le- allow them some flexibility to maybe switch up the formation from time to time. I'm not sure whether they've got enough uh, defensively, but yeah, no, I think they're I think they're in contention. I think you know, obviously, you're looking at LAFC as a team that they're pretty deep, they're pretty stacked, and. Yeah, they're going to be up there too. There's no way around that for me. But I think a team that's kind of... I wouldn't be surprised if they just blew away this conference and like almost no one's really talking about it is Seattle. I think coming into last season, Seattle had the squad they had now and people were saying this is the best squad potentially in MLS history. And they haven't lost anyone. No, you're right. And... They had some injuries last year. They played in the uh, CCL to the final. They had a huge drop-off and missed the playoffs, which was a huge surprise. They got Jao Paolo back. Ruznak's in his second year. Rui Diaz, I mean, he's actually still got his hamstring issues, but they've got a better backup in Haber, who he's not. He's a drop-off from Rui Diaz, but he's going to be... He's scored goals in the MLS, and he's, he's a good backup. I think yeah. he's a better than they had. I think they had Will Bruin before, who... Mm-hmm. We just wasn't doing the business. They weren't playing a ball in the back of the net. Couldn't so score in a it, brothel, could he? Yeah, exactly. So I think <laughs> Seattle is the team that is going to win that conference. And I wouldn't be surprised if... Like, it might be one at the end of the season where people just say, well, that was obvious. 
but I don't yeah. think a lot of people are saying it now. Do you think they've added though? A- apart from Herbert, I don't think they had to. There's not. They don't have a weak position in their uh, in their squad for me. They've got the Roldon brothers who are excellent. They've got Ruznak. They got João Paulo. They got Ladero. Yeah. Jordan Morris. They got experience in every position. They've got winners in every position. I think last year was the exception to the rule. I think Seattle are back this year, and I think from at least from a so rare, at least from a price point, at least from a talk I've heard, they haven't been doing. It's might be a bold take, but I I, I feel quite strongly about that. No, it makes sense. Fed up. Finish yourself. Um. Yeah, I couldn't have said better than Nashi. My my money would be on Seattle Sanders as well. Really, I said okay. that on a, a YouTube. It's the best team in MLS from side to. If you look at the play, look at the. You have Tolo in defense, Jay Mandrade, who's top three in defender in the MLS. Then next to him you have uh, either Reagan, who is a two meter guy who's superly physical, or you play Areaga, who's a who used to be an Ecuadorian national team player. Yeah. And next to it you have Alex Roldan, who is amazing. And in midfield you have João Paulo Drusnak. And in front, you have uh, Jordan Morris, Lodero, and uh, Christian Rolden. And then on, on, as the, your number nine, you probably have the best player in the league with Raul Ruiz Diaz, if he is fit, but he's never fit. So uh, um, what else do you need as a team? Plus, you don't have any CCL to play because you didn't qualify. So you can completely focus on the MLS, which last year wasn't the case. So Seth Sanders is definitely the way to go. I said that also, I think, a month ago in a YouTube video. Everybody can check that so that people see that I'm not <laughs> just saying what Nash is saying. But, um, <laughs> He's a cop-out. Uh, He's a cop-out. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, and my dark horse would be San Jose Earthquakes. I do really like the team they're building there. Interesting. Okay. Um, no, I appreciate appreciate your time lads uh we've been going an hour and 18 minutes probably because we blabbered on about the uh the king's league for a little while then we uh nashian and of course uh fed san zero experience but i do really appreciate if you've stayed this long in the podcast if you have then kudos to you um to listen to us ramble on for an hour and 18 minutes if you did enjoy please do um leave a rating on spotify i know you can do it on there i don't know if you can do it on apple Podcasts. i'm sure you can um so that would be really uh, appreciated i hope you guys took something from it you know in terms of the the pickings that me nashi and, and feta have given you guys for this mls upcoming season i'm super excited for the season i'm buzzing for it um and then and i hope hope you guys are as well and uh, yeah that's probably episode 12 done and dusted lads thanks for being here um and yeah i did get it wrong quinny if you are listening you were the first guest nashi is the second um yeah i do really apologize nothing wrong with that (laughs) by the way no nothing wrong with that at all but um yeah nashi thank you for joining us and uh yeah i hope you have a a good summer so5 wise uh on sora thanks mate yeah pleasure thanks a lot (laughs) 